Good evening. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time. This special time that we've set apart to hear from your word, to fix our eyes on you, to learn from what's past and to talk over old stories. Help us to learn more about who you are and more about who we are and more about what you've got in store for us. Amen. Is there anything I can do to help with that squeaking? Great, okay, I'll do a little dance or something. I have seen that picture on Corporation Street, the Lucas Aid advert. I'm not offended by it, but I think I might write to Lucas Aid and just say, I suggest you revisit the story of David and Goliath. I think you may have spectacularly missed the point. So, we are, well, apart from anything else, David and Goliath look very white to me for um, Hebrews of that time. And very well toned, um, but yeah. Go to Corporation Street and have a look. Um, So we are in the book of Judges, learning lessons from the past. And it strikes me as an interesting book for us as a church to look at because it's a time in Israel's history when they are without a king. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that our pastor is, is going to be a king or queen, but that it's a time where Israel are perhaps trying to find their identity, they are constantly under attack and oppression from different people and then they overcome it and then they're, they're back in it again. It's a time of, of turmoil and of waiting. And perhaps some of that or all of that feels familiar for your life or for seasons of your life. One difference is at the beginning of chapter 4 we realise that they've been cruelly oppressed for 20 years. So we're, it was four years that John left. Since then we've had, had Halbo. We haven't been without pastor for that long. The uh, Israelites waited 20 years of cruel oppression before they thought to cry out to God. So I'm very grateful that we as a church have been praying um, much quicker than that. So it's been 20 years of cruel oppression. And during this time, we've got Deborah, who is one of the judges, one of the, the leaders in Israel. And Deborah stands out really amongst the judges in that she doesn't have that kind of obvious character flaw that perhaps with Gideon or Samson we can kind of see where they're struggling. But Deborah seems to have her head fairly well screwed on. And so we're just going to go through the story and pick out a few lessons for us. So one of the things that we find is that Deborah is holding court where people come to her all the time, she sits under her palm tree, and people come to her to have their, their issues, their disputes decided. And then in the midst of this, in this role, she has this very specific word from God for Barak. So one thing that we need to notice is that Deborah is listening to God all the time. In the small things, in the disputes, In the everyday, day in, day out, she's listening for God's voice. She's getting to know the kind of things God says, what it sounds like when God speaks. Perhaps in that time she's made some mistakes and she's she's learnt to hear God's voice better. 
but she's every day listening to God in the smaller things. And so then when she hears God say this message for Barak, she sends for Barak and passes on this very specific message. And it's a good reminder for us that we need to not wait for the big decisions before we start trying to listen to God. We don't wait until we're ready to move house or might be ready to move house or until we're thinking about leaving our job or making some huge big decision. We don't wait until that point to say, oh, I wonder what God says. But in the everyday, we need to be listening to God. And I'm sure that many of you will have instances where you followed God's prompting in a tiny thing. I saw a a really old friend of mine on Friday who I meet up with every couple of months to pray. And she just said she felt like God said to her today to go on a run on a particular route. And on that run, she met um, a friend who, well, not a friend, a young girl that we had on Falcon Camp years ago who she hadn't seen. She met someone from church that she was really struggling with at the moment, and that was a really helpful conversation. And she met another friend who needed encouragement. When we listen to God in the small things every day, we get to know his voice. And then when it comes to these big declarations that the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, we have confidence. So Deborah passes on this message to Barak. The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will send Sisera, so Sisera is very much the baddie of the story, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the river Kishon and give him into your hands. And Barak's response is really interesting because it's not that he doesn't believe Deborah. He obviously believes that Deborah is a woman of God. He seems to believe that this message comes from God because he's not dismissive of it. But his response is, if you go with me, I will go, but if you don't go with me, I won't go. Now, it could be that he thinks Deborah's trying to trick him and so he's just taking Deborah along to make sure that it's not some trick. But I think in the context of the rest of the story, it reads as though Barak doesn't really trust enough in what God's saying to do it on his own. In um, the BBC series Rev that was on a few years ago, um, there was a scene that the reverend was was struggling a bit and I think it was someone said to his wife does he he stop believing in God and his wife said no but he thinks that God stopped believing in him and actually Barak does believe that this is from God but it's almost as though he believes that that promise from God that I will deliver the enemies into your hands is conditional on Deborah being involved he's kind of rather than having that direct relationship with God he's added someone in It is easy for us to do that, to add in perhaps a spouse or um, a pastor, someone who you respect and admire. We add them in and we make God's promises conditional on them being with us and by our side. And it isn't an encouragement to go off on our own and do our own thing, because God very much calls us to move as a community. But go. God is telling you to go. I've made you this promise. 
But Barak says, I'm only going to believe that that's from God if you're with me. So how do we guard against this? How do we guard against making our faith or trusting God conditional on someone else being with us? Well, I think the answer is probably the same to lots of questions the Bible throws up. Is that we need to, as individuals and as a community, spend time with God. Because as we do that, we see his character and his faithfulness. We hear the things that he says to us as individuals and as a community. And that it might be that we as a community think, well, God's asking us to do something, but we can only do it if this other community comes with us, if we're part of something bigger. But as we spend time with God, as we know his voice, we know his faithfulness, his kindness, then we can learn to trust him without those promises being conditional on someone else being beside us. So Deborah's response is, certainly I will go with you, but because of the course you are taking, the honour will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. And again, something that I noticed reading this, is that God's plans have this incredible kind of space and grace in them. I'm reminded of Jonah, who directly disobeyed God, who literally went in the other direction, and God found a way to bring him back and for God's plans to be fulfilled. And what we learn from this story is that if we're obedient, if we trust God, that faith in God that Joe was talking about this morning, that's always what's best for us. It's always what's best for the people around us. And we don't know the blessings that we turn down when we don't fully trust God, when we don't fully obey him, when we hesitate, when we ask for conditions to be put on that. We don't know what blessing we're, we're passing over. In, in this story, it was kind of the blessing of honour, which, I guess, particularly in this culture, that kind of honour of a military victory would have been a huge thing, a legacy. And Barak misses out on that because he doesn't trust God on his own. But it is important for us to notice that God doesn't have these secret, fragile plans that we can ruin by making one mistake, by hesitating. That if you're with someone and you feel prompted to talk about Jesus and you don't and you chicken out, you haven't ruined things. God's plans are full of grace and mercy. And God's greatest plan for us and for the people that we meet is our salvation. And there isn't so far that we can go that we are outside of the cross. There isn't so far that we can go away from God that the cross can't bring us back. There's always a way back to God's plan. There's always a way back into what God has for us and has for the people around us. We can't ruin God's plans. But when we do fully trust God, we can't underestimate the richness of the blessings that he has. So they do go, 
they, they go to the battle, they turn up, and then the enemy turns up, and Deborah says to Barak, and you, you kind of get an impression of Barak, that he's, he's not a brave bloke. So Deborah has to again say, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. And I don't want to speak down on Barak. I've never been faced with an army that wants to kill me. I don't know how I would respond under that situation. But God has promised to do this. And Deborah reminds him again, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? And as I was preparing this sermon, that verse, the has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Like it was highlighted. And so I just wonder whether there are people here this evening or listening later who have got stuff coming up that seems so overwhelming, that seems like an army pouring down a hill towards them. Perhaps the busyness, perhaps the loneliness, perhaps decisions or health. And that God says to you, he reminds you of his promise and says, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? There is nowhere that you can go this week that has not gone ahead of you. Be reminded of God's incredible promise. So unsurprisingly, they they go on, they win the battle. Barak pursues the chariots and army and, and everyone is defeated except for Sisera who flees on foot. And then finds the tent of Jael, who sort of should be potentially someone who would protect him. And he faces this rather kind of brutal and grisly end. And um, in this kind of bloodthirsty violence is not a rare thing in the, in the Bible. Um, hopefully it's a rare thing in, in your life, but it is, it is quite gruesome more kind of 15 or 18 little passages, racist passages in the Bible. And quite a rare example of um, female violence. I, a researcher who does a lot of research into male violence against women, which is a massive issue in our community and in the world, has this quote that I love where it says that women do not lack the capacity to behave badly, but they do sometimes lack the opportunity. And what we find here is that jail finds herself with the opportunity to bring harm on an enemy. And we don't know why Jael does this. That's not really explored. Whether she did it out of sort of faithfulness to God, or a personal vendetta, or boredom, I don't know. But anyway, uh, Sister meets his fairly grisly end. And again, I'm not sure when it says that um, Sisera will be delivered into the hands of a woman, whether that's referring to the military defeat that is under Deborah or the kind of brutal, grisly end that he faces individually from jail. But God's plans come to pass. Sisera and his oppressive, violent regime is ended. But there are just a few more little lessons that I want to pick out and to look at Deborah as an example of a great leader. So one that we've already seen in this story, one thing that Deborah does as a great leader is she releases others 
She cares more about what God is doing than about her own story. She's more obedient to saying what, what God's saying to Barak. She could have perhaps kept that quiet and taken the glory for herself or encouraged him, said, why don't I come with you and then, then I can help you out. What she wants to do is to step aside and give Barak room to follow fully in God's plans. And I think that's what great, particularly Christian leaders should do, is to care more about what God is doing than how they could look good. But there's a couple of verses in chapter 5. So chapter 5 sort of retells in poetry and song the story But there are a few verses that I'm going to read. So this is chapter 5, verses 7 to 9. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates, but not a shield or spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. So as well as releasing others, one important thing that I think Deborah does in verse 7, which is, they held back until I, Deborah, arose. She acknowledges the power and influence that she has over others. Now, all of us have power and influence over others. If you don't believe that, just be in a room with a grumpy teenager and see what power their body language has over the rest of the room. If you are ever in a room with other people, you have power and influence on that space. And it's really important that we acknowledge that. It's quite easy, a bit like with money, we can focus on those that have got more, in comparison, think that we haven't got enough. It's easy to do that with power. But all of us, to different extents and different parts of our life, have authority and power and influence. And it's really important that we acknowledge that because then we're free to put it before God, to use it intentionally with God for his purposes. And Deborah does that really clearly. She knows that it is her and her authority, perhaps her integrity, that has roused the truth. But then in verse 9, she says, My heart is with Israel's princes, with the willing volunteers among the people. Praise the Lord. Deborah does acknowledge her own power and influence, but she's really quick to celebrate the people that have fought alongside her. She knows that without them, she couldn't have had the victory. And then she is constantly looking back to say, praise the Lord. She knows that, yes, she has power and influence. Yes, she can say to Barak, why don't, you know, this is your day, you have this. But ultimately... She knows that it's God who's given her that opportunity, God who deserves the glory in the end. I'm, I'm going to finish there, but I just want to say one more time that verse, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? And I think something that has really struck me that I'm learning from Deborah is that those promises that God makes to us through the Bible, in this, in this book of the Bible, throughout the Bible, that God is faithful to those promises. Even when it doesn't appear like he might be, even when we can't see a way that that will come to pass. And it's, we don't need someone else 
to be on our team or even in our corner cheering us on. Those promises are true because they come from God. And actually we are a community where we remind each other of those promises and that's a really, really precious thing. But that God says to you this evening, he says to us, Church Lane, as we look ahead to an unknown future, has not the Lord gone ahead of you? There is nowhere that we as individuals or a church can go that God doesn't know. And I'm just going to finish by reading a bit of Psalm 139, which kind of captures this truth. And I'm going to pray this over our church. Where can we go from your spirit? Where can we flee from your presence? If we go up to the heavens, you are there. If we make our bed in the depths, you are there. If we rise on the wings of the dawn, if we settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide us. Your right hand will hold us fast. If we say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. For night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. I'm going to pray today. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. I'm sorry for when we put conditions on your promises, that we'll believe that promise if someone's with us. We'll believe that promise if we have the right job, if we're living in the right place. When everything... When we feel in control, then we'll trust your promises, God. We know that's not how it works. Thank you that your promises are always true for all of us. And would you remind each of us of the promises you particularly want to speak over us over these coming days and weeks. Amen.